Welcome to the podcast, guys, and welcome, Ralph. How are you feeling today, Ralph? I'm really good. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on the show. And are you able to provide a bit of context into your life? Maybe the audience at home want to know who you are as a person. Are you able to take us down a bit of a journey and share with us your life? Absolutely. I am born and raised in the Chicagoland area here in the U.S. Uh, that's where I am right now. Uh, currently, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm what's come to be called location independent. Simply means I don't have a permanent home. And for the most part, uh, when we're not in a pandemic, I'm traveling about nine months of the year internationally, organizing and leading my tours around the world. And so, uh, you know, not being able to travel as much as I have been full time for the past 13 or so years is a little bit disconcerting, as you can imagine. Mm, yeah. Uh, some for someone who makes their living from travel. But um, I, I've almost always been in my own business, um, you know, for about 30, 35 years now that I've, you know, my professional life. And so I've almost always worked for myself, except for a three year stint where I worked for a so marketing director for a division of a Fortune 500 company. And uh, unfortunately, that was probably the, the worst three years of my life at that time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I like to be able to just sort of count on myself and be able to uh, just, you know, not have to count on anyone else, to be honest. So, Absolutely. And your life is quite interesting because you mentioned location independent. So, it, that's effectively, that enables you to work from anywhere. Is that right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm guessing that that was an intentional setup. You, you've obviously put a bit of thought behind that. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So I, I've been location independent. Uh, so I've been doing this business full time for about 13 years, organizing and leading tours around the world and being a, a professional travel photographer, teaching photography on the road. But uh, about seven or eight years ago, I went location independent I was living in Southern California at the time in one of the most expensive zip codes in the world. And I was there three months out of the year total. And so I was leading these tours nine months out of the year. And so finally dawned on me, why am I paying rent 12 months when I'm there so sporadically? And so that's when uh, I chose to do what's today called minimizing or being, becoming a minimalist. I don't know if that was even a, a term back then, probably. But uh, yeah, I just did it because it made sense. So got rid of uh, 80, 90% of my stuff, which that's all it was. And uh, sort of moved back in with family or put, put that other 10 to 20% in the, in the basement and you know, now come and go as I please. And so uh, you know, kind of got ahead of this pandemic uh, inadvertently because I've always been someone that's Kind of worked from where I, where my laptop was, at least for the past 13 years, and so pretty used to doing that. And uh, it's 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 a really nice thing, and it's it's interesting to see how many people are, you know, just learning what that actually is nowadays. It's amazing the world now, the ability to work from any any location, and. I guess I, I want to touch on your traveling experience because you seem like a well-seasoned traveler and 
what are the most memorable memorable destinations that you've traveled to yeah you know each one of course has its own uh, memorable parts but uh, i guess there are certain ones that stick out and one is uh, cambodia it's okay. a place that i hadn't really spent too much time considering going to but uh, i was with a friend of mine uh, in another place on another trip and you know we're talking about well where can we go next because we we're having so much fun he says I've been to Cambodia at least 10 or 12 times. You, you got to make it one of your next destinations. And so I said, all right, I'm committing right now, here now to, to do that. And so, I don't know, six, seven months later, we had a trip together to go down there with another friend and I absolutely fell in love with it. Yeah. And Cambodia is a little bit uh, off. It's not really off the beaten path, but it's not, on, not at the top of a lot of people's lists. Yeah but it's absolutely fantastic for every reason. The people are some of the nicest in the world. The food is incredible. The historical sites and the landscapes and just everything. The hotels are wonderful, really, uh, you know, really nice boutique hotels, clean, uh, every amenity you can think of and uh, very uh, reasonably priced destination by most standards and so it just kind of has everything and the photo opportunities are off the charts the history so uh, cambodia is very high on that list uh, as is uh, the republic of georgia which is a new destination that i've been going to for about two years now and really fell in love with georgia and uh, that's uh, for those who aren't really familiar with it or where it might be, but it's uh, it's in the Caucasus and like near Armenia, east of Turkey on the, the Black Sea, uh, butts up against Russia, was a former Russian satellite. So uh, another place with food that's out of this world and uh, Tbilisi, the capital is, uh, has that wonderful contrast between very, very modern type architecture and buildings and amenities, but with a, a very long history as well. I believe the uh, Tbilisi was founded in the year 458. So it's been yeah. around for a while. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so you see a lot of that old architecture. Uh, again, the food is just simply off, off, out of this world. And they have amazing culture. Uh, from what I understand, the oldest wine culture in the world, uh, something like 8,000 years old. So really great wines. Wow. Just another wonderful place. All right, guys. So that's one to put on the bucket list. So Tbilisi and Cambodia. And actually, I was fortunate enough to escape to Vietnam right before the lockdown began. So, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Vietnam and Cambodia are are pretty close to each other. Yep, they and, butt up against each other. Yeah, yep. and yeah, the one thing that stood out to me was just the 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 cultural difference, cultural differences. I'm, I'm from Melbourne, Australia, and going to Vietnam, just the people, even the homeless people or just the people in the street, are willing to say hello to you and and willing to help you out, willing to help out a stranger, and and that's the one thing that I that I, that really struck me because living in a western society i mean you see if people are nice but there's a different level of niceness i guess to put it in those terms 
Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and Vietnam's a, a wonderful country. I also do trips there. Uh, as we mentioned, it, it's right next to Cambodia, right on that, uh, the, is that uh, considered the, yeah, that peninsula there in Indochina, it makes Indochina. up Indochina. And so um, what I love about Vietnam is it's a very modern, as far as business goes, uh, there's a lot, it's very uh, prosperous. And uh, although I've only been going there for maybe six, seven years now, I can see what I'm sure is a change for anyone who's been there maybe 15, 20 years ago. Uh, there's uh, people are dressing very modern. They're going out for, you know, expensive coffees, let's say, and, and meals like out. Which, there you go. <laughs> uh, which, yeah which are not expensive by, by our, you know, Western standards, but uh, I could just tell that there, you know, even though I hadn't been there 20 years ago, I could tell that there's probably been this shift in prosperity. And so I, I like to see that, uh, but yet you still have this incredible history. And, and I, uh, I like Cambodia just a little bit better only because to me, it's like Vietnam probably was 15, 20 years ago. Right. Um, but they're both just wonderful countries with amazing food, as of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And in your entire experience traveling, what's? Can you tell us any outlandish stories or any outlandish experiences that you've been through where you thought, "Wow, what is going on here?" I'm sure you would have been in some in some crazy times. You know, it's funny, but uh, I I'm not sure if I'm just lucky or what, but I've knock on wood, never uh, been in a, you know, really precarious position. Uh, although <laughs> now, now that I just come to uh -oh. think of it, uh, <laughs> I was uh, almost kidnapped in Mexico city. I almost forgot about that. <laughs> I was, I was actually <laughs> just casually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was uh, actually living there in Mexico city, getting my master's in international business. So an MIBA, I was about 29, 30 years old. And uh, so it's, it's a long story. I don't want to get into it too much, sure. but uh, I was kind of uh, muscled by four policemen, said they were policemen into the back of a, a, an unmarked car. They flashed Jeez. some badges at me, wouldn't let me see them again so that I could kind of verify that they really were police. So I have a feeling that they really weren't. And uh, they took me to my ATM and made me clear out all my the cash that I had, which at the time was about $400 worth. And then they came to my apartment and they clear and cleaned me out there. So I guess I hope they weren't really police, <laughs> but uh, that was, uh, you know, not a great position to be in. Um, it, and it, it seemed a lot worse after it happened, to be honest with you, you know, while it's happening, I was more, uh, pissed off than anything, you know, and uh, didn't realize how, you know, upside down it really could have gone uh, just with any little thing that changed the situation. So I, I was very lucky. Jeez, that's a very, yeah, that's a unpleasant experience to go through. Uh, and shifting into, into something a little bit more positive, what, what is some advice that you could give to someone if, for example, they want to start traveling the world. I guess you need to put together a plan, but 
in in your experience, what's the best way to go about doing this? Yeah, you know, uh, I tend to go to places and, and arrange tours. As again, I organize and lead tours that are uh, small groups. But I people often ask, you know, why why do you go to these specific places? And they're usually places that I want to go that I have an interest in. And I'm a fairly normal person. So if I have an interest, I've got to think that other people do as well. And they're not too you know crazy or off the beaten path. But um, so obviously figure out what's a place that you've always wanted to go to, what's uh, you know interests you. Um, yeah, a lot of people have bucket lists and things nowadays, but uh, so figuring out where that is, what the best time of year to go is, and uh, that's not always the high season. For me, it's almost never the high season <laughs> to go, because uh, that's usually when it's more expensive, more crowded, things like that, oftentimes uh, hotter in uh, places like Europe. Uh, for me, I like to go in that shoulder season spring and fall, whatever hemisphere you're in, and you just get cooler weather, less crowds, uh, it, things are less expensive, you get a little bit more of a sort of a locals experience, I'll call it. And uh, so planning, uh, you know, it, it's great if you can be spontaneous and just say, you know what, I'm going to look online and uh, there's websites that will tell you where you know, the cheap flights are this week. And if you can jump on something like that pretty quick and just go, I, I admire you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I never seem to have that luxury of doing that. Uh, but I also am a planner. So I like to know where I'm going. I, I'm a little bit older nowadays. So when I was younger, it was, you know, you know, I'll show up and find a place when I get there. And now it's like, you know, I want to know that I've got a place that I'm going to be sleeping the first couple nights, where it's going to be, what it's like. And so I will do that, that research. So it just depends what kind of traveler you are, what your budget is, where you want to go, what kind of experiences you want to have. But one of the main tips I could give you is to uh, hire a local guide, hire someone in the place that especially that first day or two that can take you out for an orientation walk, introduce you to the highlights, a um, little bit of the language, depending on where you are, uh, the food. And that'll, number one, make you feel a lot more comfortable than, you know, experiencing it the rest of the time on your own, maybe. But uh, it can be very inexpensive to do that. So sometimes we think that uh, that must be expensive to hire a guide. But depending on where you go, you can hire a guide, sometimes including a car that might, you know, maybe they'll take you outside of the city or maybe even from city to city. And, um, you know, you're, you're almost surely going to have to pay for any expenses like hotel and thing like, things like that. But uh, for a car, you can sometimes get a guide. Um, and, and there are licensed guides and non-licensed guides, and there's pros and cons to that as well. I prefer the licensed guides for sure. But, uh, you know, and, and that could be 50 to $75, including the driver, who is usually the guide themselves. But uh, hire a local guide. You'll feel so much more comfortable. You'll get that history and a little overview of the place. And then you'll feel a lot more comfortable tackling it on your own for the rest of the time that you're there. Okay. 
Cool. And thanks for sharing that. And I want to touch into your background into photography. Um, and I thought I'd throw a curveball at you and I'm going to ask you a trivia question. Uh, do you know who invented the digital camera? Digital camera? Well, I mean, I think it was the folks at Kodak. Um, I, don't, I don't know who, though. Maybe I'm wrong. What, what's the answer? Um, you, you're right about Kodak. It was a Kodak engineer, Steve Sassoon. So okay. I, I thought I'd throw in a bit of a curveball there. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good one. Um, so what are... What are some tips for taking a good photo? I know it's a pretty broad question, but I'm happy to hear your answer. Yeah, well, um, Patrick Symes, he's a photographer, says, if you don't like getting up early, then be a writer. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and I love that saying because, um, you know, what it means is that the better light is early in the morning and it can be later in the evening when the sun's low in the sky and you've got a much nicer light than uh, typically when we go on vacation, it's like, well, I'm gonna sleep in, you know, I'm on vacation and, yeah. um, you know, and that's great. It depends, you know, maybe you work really hard and that's the kind of vacation you're after, that's great. But uh, typically for me, it's, I want to get out early because I want to get the good light. I want to beat the tourist crowds, get out before the heat of the day, get out before the, the pickpockets are out because yeah. there's no other tourists out and the pickpockets are sleeping. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're out in those big crowds and that's when they thrive. So if you get out early, it's just going to be you and the, the local kids in their school uniforms on the way to school and the parents taking them or on their way to work those are the people that I want to see. It's going to be in good light, cool weather. And so that's, uh, and then you come back and take what I call a photographer siesta. And, uh, you know, when the light's terrible and the sun's high in the sky and you got really harsh light, go back to the room because you got up early, take a nap and uh, go out in the afternoon when the light's better again. So to photography, the word photography means to paint with light, roughly. And so um, the light is so important. Uh, you know, it's the number one thing when it comes to photography. So the more you can put that in your favor, the better your shots are going to be. Uh, the other tip I'll give is that oftentimes people don't look at the background. And so we're photographing a person or a thing or whatever it is. And you, you don't realize and I've done it myself. You come home and you're looking at your computer and the images and you realize that the, that the proverbial telephone poles coming out of the person's head or you know, someone's walking through the scene that you don't necessarily want. And so that's about uh, looking deeper into the scene to see what's going on behind and in front of your subject that yeah. may be affecting it, that may be affecting the, the overall scene. And that's such a simple thing that... And, oh, sorry about that. Uh, that's, that's such a... That's such a simple thing that anyone can do and it will make your photography so much better. So anyone can get out early with any kind of camera because I'm not a big, you know, you gotta have a certain kind of camera at all. Smartphone is just fine. I'm shooting a lot more with my smartphone today than I used to. Yeah. And being aware of your backgrounds and foregrounds and how they're affecting your subject or the scene, moving around 
the subject so that that background, if you've got a stable subject, you know, I'm looking at this, this microphone right now. And as I move around, that background is changing and I'm blocking things I don't want. And I'm revealing things I do want by moving around that subject. Um, so that to me are just three very simple tips that anyone can use with any kind of camera. Okay. Okay. And because this is a self-development podcast, I am curious how has, has photography, do you feel like you have developed yourself, not the film, develop yourself as a person or your character as a person? Do you feel like you have changed in the past five or 10 years due to photography or? Absolutely. And the reason uh, that I think of right off the bat is that at the beginning, when I started doing this professionally and leading the tours and bringing groups around the world, um, I was less interested and uh, less bold about photographing people. And that was probably because I was somewhat intimidated, like most people are, because that's one of the number one questions I get is, how do you photograph people? And it's, it is easy, but it's, it's not easy sometimes to approach people, to feel comfortable photographing that person, the one, you know, someone in a market or on the street or whatever. But it's like anything else, the more you do it, the better you'll become at it, the easier it will become for you. So for me, it's uh, photography has made me a little bit bolder and you know, I've never gotten into trouble or had a, an altercation with someone because of, of photographing them. However, <laughs> one time I was, I was shooting the, uh, the travel and cultural images for a cookbook on Mexican cuisine. And we did the 35 day assignments and actually, my two partners on it were from Melbourne. It was an Australian cookbook. Oh. Uh, it was an Australian publisher doing a, a cookbook on Mexico. Yeah. And uh, they, uh, so, you know, with, so it was a 35-day assignment, and we were traveling all over the country. So we went to Chiapas, Mexico at, at one point, and I was photographing in a market this woman's tomatoes, this pile of tomatoes at her stall. And she got so upset that she picked up a tomato and threatened to throw it at me because I was taking pictures of her tomatoes. And it wasn't even, yeah, not even her uh, or anything, you know, not a person or anything, but it was for some reason she got upset that I wanted to photograph this pile of tomatoes. That must've been prize winning tomatoes or or, or something. Jeez. Apparently. Did you say that was in Spain? Sorry, or no, no, that's Chiapas, Mexico. I, oh, Mexico. Sorry, yeah, okay. Well, I know the Mexicans are, are proud boxers, so yeah, you, I guess maybe <laughs> I lucked out. Could have been worse. Could have been worse. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I want to kind of shift into your personal work, your photography. I've got what I'm going to do. I'm just going to uh, share my screen um, because I've got some images of yours that maybe you could provide some bit more context and um yeah just maybe the audience are curious to see them so uh, sure. this hasn't been set up so i didn't know you were going to do this but that's all right 
All right. Has that come up on your side there? Yeah, sure. I can see it. Yep. Cool. So this is a beautiful shot and this is in the Sahara Desert. What is there any more context or any, I guess it's. Yeah. I've got a pretty good story about this, although it's not this exact image, but uh, I bring groups to Morocco. And one thing that we do is we do a, an early morning camel ride in the desert. And uh, it's called the Erg Chebi as uh, I forget what that stands for, like the big dune or something, I apologize. But uh, I'm, so I'm, I'm sitting on this camel that I, when I took this shot and I actually, uh, I've done this seven or eight times. So I, I entered one of, of a similar shot into a, a travel photography contest. And uh, so I explain it. So I'm sitting on this camel with my iPhone and I'm leaning off to one side, trying not to fall off the camel, holding yeah. on with one hand and trying to take an iPhone photo. Uh, this is definitely an iPhone shot. This is and iPhone. So well, wow. okay. Oh yeah. Because uh, uh, I recommend that my people don't take their uh, big cameras on the camels because it could be dangerous. They get dust in them. Sure. They, yeah. You know, it's more about safety. Yeah. Uh, so I'm 99% sure this is a, an iPhone shot. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I'm what I'm doing. The reason I'm leaning off to one side is because I want to get separation between the camel's head and the the man there. Because as I'm sitting on the camel, you can imagine they're overlapped. As I move, that's that perspective that I was talking about changing. So I'm getting separation between the camel's head and the, the man. So, um, you know, that just uh, came out real nice. Uh, I like the background. The man's, uh, uh, he's a little bit tight on that part of the dune that's coming right across the top of his head there, but it's not coming through his head. And there is a little separation there, but the, the, the dunes themselves, the ripples in the sand, it just, um, you know, really nice photo opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a, another image as well. This one, this is a beautiful image. Yeah, this one, uh, another iPhone shot, I believe, uh, that I took in uh, LaGuardia, Spain. And that's actually our hotel straight ahead. And it had just rained a little bit. And so the ground was wet and reflective. So I'm always looking for reflections. Uh, sometimes people that I'm with or probably even that I'm not with think I'm a little bit crazy because if I see a puddle, I'll walk around it and I'll be looking at it and moving up and down, changing that perspective because it's really fun to get a really cool reflection in a puddle and to photograph something unexpectedly like because uh, everyone's getting those postcard shots mm. but if you can just do something a little bit different to change your perspective um, get it in a reflection uh, you know anything to make it a little bit different uh, that's probably going to be a good thing so uh, this is just in the the old town of LaGuardia Spain and again that's our hotel straight ahead which actually was a former private home that they've converted into a wonderful boutique hotel that we we uh, stay at on my northern Spain's Basque country. And a home. Wow. Former, okay. you know, like it's uh, obviously a pretty nice home. Yeah. <laughs> a big villa. All right. I've got one more. 
picture. Oh yeah, um, this is Porto and uh, I talk about reflections, but I also love shadows. And so, you know, when you're out at noon, you're not gonna get many shadows because the sun's straight above and the, the shadows are gonna be really short. But we're out early this morning and the sun's coming from the right in this image. And you could see the reflection or the uh, shadow of the bridge on the Dodo River there. And uh, I do like this, uh, I, I believe this man is sculling, uh, but he's on a, a one man boat. And you know, it gives that little, what I call a human touch, adding a human touch to the shot that uh, gives some sense of scale, perspective, and I think makes the viewer uh, put themselves into the image as well. What's that guy doing there? How'd he get there? I wanna be there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's not a cloud in the sky as well. It's, yeah, it's a great shot. Well, and, and to me, that's the major negative of this shot is that there oh. are no clouds. Yeah, I love clouds. And uh, if you look through my Instagram feed, which these are from, uh, it's unusual for me to post an image with no clouds, but I think it was more about the, the, the shadow, the man, but uh, I love clouds because in the shot, it's about a third of the sky is the image and it's just blank. Yeah. So to me, that's not a good thing. So the, something that could make the shot better is if it had really nice puffy clouds. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that. And I want to touch on your application. So, and the only, I'm curious because maybe one day I might develop my own application, but I'm just curious to hear your experience. You've actually developed an app in the iOS marketplace. Um, do you want to run us through the experience? That you've sure yeah. yeah that that i did about 11 years ago 11 12 years ago now i think it was 2010 uh probably started in 9 2009 but i had uh, i have a book out and it's uh a friend of mine uh, was starting to create some apps and he said would you be interested in turning the book into an app and the book was more like 101 photo tips and I think it's a good book, but uh, I didn't really force, I, I couldn't, uh, you know, really see it being an, uh, an interesting app. So I said, you know, uh, I don't think that would be a great idea, but I have this other idea of creating a shot list. And a shot list is just that. It's a list of the kinds of shots that you should be aware of when you're in a place. Uh, you know, that would be my next tip about photography is to come back with a really nice, well-rounded set of images that tells the story of the place. And, uh, you know, there's, there's architecture photographers, people photographers, food photographers, but travel photographers need to be pretty good at all, all those different genres or types of photography if you want to tell the story. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't want to come back with just portraits of people or just plates of food. Uh, I want to come back with a vast variety of images that tells the complete story and, and really gives the viewers of my photography the an idea of what it was like to be there. And so uh, that, that was the idea behind uh, the app, which is called My Shot Lists for Travel. 
and it's available only on iOS. But uh, so he liked that idea and I ended up working with him and a, a woman who was a developer and he ended up bowing out for whatever reason and she and I just worked on it. So she did all the developing, the coding, everything, but every other decision, photograph, any wording, verbiage in it was all mine. And she just kind of took my vision and put it into an app because I don't know how to do that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that process was really, I mean, it's a fairly simple app. It's got 52 pictures in it. Uh, there, each picture has uh, one or two sentences sort of explaining the idea behind that category. So landscapes, interiors, night scenes, recreation, etc. cetera. Uh, but the idea of a shot list before the app was just to give you a, a framework for the types of images you should be looking for. And uh, that idea has been around since the dawn of photography, but uh, I wanted to put it in your pocket. And so, uh, we did that, and it, it, um, I think it came out really nice. We had one update to it, but uh, she and I ended up parting ways, and um, I've just sort of uh, let it sit there on the App Store. I made it go free. Uh, we were charging 99 cents when people were still doing that. I don't think there's a lot of apps out there still charging 99 cents for them. But I think at that time, around 2009 and 10, there might have been three or 400,000 apps on the App Store. Which seemed like a lot then. I can't imagine how many millions there must be today. Oh, there's hate. Yeah, it's a very competitive landscape. Yeah. At the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and still, it was very competitive back then. And to come up with something that was fairly unique and that you know you had to explain to people, and so uh, you know it did pretty well. And uh, then I ended up, you know what? It, it wasn't selling great, so I'm like, I just want it to go free because I want people to just use it. I'm not concerned about the 99 cents. I want people to use this concept and so uh, we we updated it and I put all new images and updated the verbiage and now it's out there uh, there's uh, been a couple little glitches in it because of the iOS updates that aren't playing well with the code and the the app that's now you know even after the update probably six or seven years old so uh, people might find a few little glitches in there but uh, I'm yeah, I may someday update it to the point where, you know, I completely refurbish it or do something all new to it. But um, I, I don't have the time or interest in, yeah. you know, like, uh, even updating the code to, to get it right. It's just a lot of work. And people ask about, you know, why isn't it on Android? And, you know, that just doubles the effort. Oh, and, yeah. you know, it's hard enough to, to make it for iOS, let alone for both. Yeah, sounds like the but boats was, sailed on that on that idea a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's still very useful, and I and I use it, and I recommend it to people. But um, yeah, as far as updating it, I don't think that's something I'm going to do. Sure. Cool. Thanks for sharing that experience. And so, I guess in this current pandemic, these Corona times, I guess it's really restricted travel as a whole and and you must be feeling the pinch as well so i guess how have you been able to stay proactive in these times and and, and what have you been doing with your time now in the lockdown yeah i mean uh 
going as hard as I was for 10 or 12 years, traveling like that nine months out of the year, it's, it's definitely a dream job, but it's, it's, a, it's physically very challenging to be on planes, trains, and automobiles and moving around from uh, hotel to hotel every two to four nights, uh, you know, flying across time zones and jet lag and all that stuff. Uh, uh, there's, you know, there are negatives to travel. I love being there, <laughs> wherever there is, yeah. but the getting there and between is often uh, what, what gets you. So um, I, you know, other than the fact that, you know, there's no income because I'm not leading tours, uh, I've actually, for the most part, enjoyed this downtime because it's allowed me to do some things that I've had on my list for a long, long time that I never had time to do or never any kind of a, a window of enough time to focus on. Because uh, when you're doing these tours, it's I'm working on five trips in advance. And that's a lot of details and uh, a lot of just sort of bandwidth that uh, keeps me from doing other things. So I wanted to start a YouTube channel for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, I had a travel blog connected to my photoenrichment.com website, uh, but I kind of let that go. And so I wanted to create this new, um, new brand. Uh, number one, I did create a new travel brand called a la Compagnie Experiences. And that's a little bit less about photography and more about the cultural aspects of travel, the food and people and uh, things like that, staying in amazing properties like private castles and wine estates and villas like that's one in Spain that you pointed out. Um, and that was something that I had in mind maybe two years ago, so before the pandemic. Uh, but I think that's where travel's going after the pandemic, that people are going to want smaller groups, less moving around, less being in community vehicles, and uh, more about cultural immersion and really getting to know a place um, more intensively than uh, a lot of places a little bit. Um, but back to the, uh, the Continental Drifter, which was another brand that I wanted to create, and it actually started out uh, with the idea for a TV show, which I'm still working on, but uh, they're not making a lot of TV shows right now that are about travel. Uh, so uh, that's had to be put on the, the back burner a little bit. But I started out with the travel blog at continentaldrifter.co. And then that turned into a travel uh, YouTube channel. That's also uh, Continental Drifter on YouTube, if you search that. And we're about 20 episodes in, and uh, I knew it was going to be a, a huge commitment, which it has been. And uh, so I'm, I'm trying to you know, have fairly highly produced uh, videos. Uh, a lot of the, the video that you'll see in it of the places, because I haven't been traveling, so it's mostly places that I've photographed and videotaped over the years. So I'm going back into those archives. Uh, uh, most of it, if not all of it, was done with my iPhone. And so, um, but so, you know, now it's, there's a lot of graphics and other type of uh, motion graphics and things like that. So like anything, uh, we can only get better the more we do it. So I'm having a, a really good time with it. It's been fun. I've been getting a lot of great feedback about the channel. 
yep. about the information that I'm providing, people are, you know, they're falling right into my trap, which is I want to inspire <laughs> people to, to travel. I want to, I want to, you know, that they're saying, oh man, you know, now I got this place on my bucket list. Now you've made me want to go to that place or try this thing. And that's exactly what I'm after. So it's working. And, uh, so, you know, inspiring people to travel and showing them these incredible experiences that I've had and the people I've met, the, the food I've tasted, the, the experience and activities that I've tried, and then hopefully inspiring them to do it on their own, or perhaps they want to come with me sometime, but it's certainly not an advertisement for my trips. It's just, you know, a guy who's been very lucky and traveled around the world and wants to share those experiences with people mm. yeah you you, you touched on bucket list before and i know everybody's bucket list will vary but what's your top five top five places to to go to well you know i don't i, I never really called it a bucket list but uh i certainly have places that i i'm very interested in going um colombia is very high on that list i'd like to get there syria was high on my list uh yeah, wow. you know just a few years ago unfortunately that's a really sad sad case right now um other places i would like to go um i want to get to uruguay uh, Bolivia, so a few places in South America. I get. I want to go to the Philippines. Uh, I will spend more time in Japan. I've only been to Tokyo for about five days, and that was a great experience. But I'd love to spend more time in Japan. Wow. Okay. Cool. And I might end the conversation here, Ralph. It's 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 been a it's been a pleasure speaking with you and, and your experiences. And if people want to connect with you, how can, how can they connect with you? Or is there anything you're promoting at the moment that you'd like to share? Well, uh, yeah, sure. We, thanks. We, uh, of course, uh, now uh, we're recording this in February. I'm not sure when it'll come out, but uh, this is 2021. And, and I'm hoping that trips for the fall of 2021 will actually happen, at least the fall in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, that uh, I've got trips coming up to Copper Canyon, Mexico in August, which to me is, you know, it's funny, I, I say this about every trip and I don't, I don't mean, <laughs> mean, that, mean it, but I mean, I, I mean it, but um, it, it, maybe it sounds a little strange, but uh, you know, it's one of my favorite trips. It's like your, your children really. Uh, and I only go to great places. So I, you know, I, I'll say this about every trip, but uh, Copper Canyon, Mexico, one of my favorite places, yeah. uh, bigger and deeper than the Grand Canyon and has one of the great train rides of the world right through it. Uh, it's the only passenger train in all of Mexico. Fantastic. And then that's followed up by a trip to northern Spain in September. Uh, then uh, Puglia, Italy, which is the heel of Italy. We're staying in a private agriturismo there and just staying in one place and doing hub and spoke, getting to know it. Uh, then we're staying at a private castle in France on my France's magical Dordogne trip and doing the same thing, just staying at the castle for seven days and doing hub and spoke in the villages nearby. I've got an Armenia, Georgia trip at uh, in October, which is a fantastic time to be there. So I'm always trying to time the trip so that the, the weather's good, there's less crowds, maybe the, the, there's fall colors or it's the harvest 
Um, you know, there's something interesting about that time period. Uh, in the spring, it's uh, maybe blooming flowers and things like that. So uh, that's good. And then uh, I do have an online course at Skillshare that uh, is free. It's got to start with a 14 day trial. If people want to check that out, perhaps you can put that in the show notes. If anyone wants a free travel photography course from me, um, I, I really think it's a lot of valuable information and it doesn't cost anything. So, uh, but uh, definitely the YouTube channel, I'd love it if people check out the YouTube channel, uh, give it some likes, watch the videos, comments, uh, YouTube loves that and I love it yeah. even more. <laughs> yeah, speaking of YouTube, please also subscribe to this channel. I've got to throw in my own little plug there. So. But uh, look, it's been, a, as I said, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Ralph. I've, I've learned a, a, a few things and uh, thanks for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you.